When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. Steve here with Jimmy and Brandon, and we're recording on a Tuesday this week since Roma played their match on Easter Monday, Pasquetta in Italy, and it was another positive result for Roma. One-one draw down in Naples, a late El Sharari strike uh, stunned the, the Neapolitans and and got the draw. Spalletti's men dropped two crucial points in their race for the Scudetto. So sorry, Luciano, but unlucky on the day and probably out of the Scudetto race now. But we care about the Roma perspective. He's old news. And uh, Roma's win, uh, not win, I was going to say winless, I almost said winless, unbeaten uh, streak is now up to 12 in the league. And that followed a 4 nothing thumping of Bodo on Thursday to advance the Conference League semifinals. Uh, that was the Zaniolo show. And guys, I mean, things feel pretty good in the Romaverse right now, no? Yeah, I, I definitely can't complain too much. I think that given the holes in this squad that I think we all would agree are there. The fact that we've been able to have 12 matches unbeaten in the league is pretty remarkable. I think it's a testament to the fact that the players who have bought in and who are seen by management as, you know, long-term players have really bought in. Um, I think that there are, it's a combination of veteran players like Mkhitaryan, Re Patricio and Smalling who, when healthy, are the type of calming presence that you need throughout the pitch. It's the young players, most notably Nikola Zalewski, because he's been getting all the starts. But, you know, I would say the same for Eduardo Bove, uh, Christian Volpato, when we've seen him, even Felix Afanagian to a certain extent. Uh, all, all players who are just coming up into the team and, as a result, have a certain fire about them and wanting to prove every single week that they deserve to still be with the senior squad. And then you've got the star players like Zaniolo, who wowed us with his hat trick against Bodo, or Pellegrini and Abraham, who have been more consistently amazing all season, who quite clearly have bought into what Mourinho is promising them in terms of short, medium, and long-term goals. So 
are there a lot of holes in the squad? Is there not very much depth? Yeah, I would 100% say that there are a lot of players who I don't anticipate being in the squad come the fall uh, who aren't getting consistent minutes anymore. But the players who are playing consistently are showing a level of buy-in that you need to have to have this type of unbeaten streak. Yeah, I think Jimmy nailed it. Um, I would just add that we've talked about it, you know, a few times over the course of the season where we've been down in these games and not really felt out and attributed a lot of that to Mourinho. But I think uh, yesterday, more than um, almost any other game this far this season, that we've gone up against one of these top sides. And, you know, even though we were down, and it goes back to that theme that we've been talking about where we concede early and then have to throw our playbook out the window, even having to do that, still being in it the rest of the way to the point where in the second half, you know, it's just a matter of uh, can we get this equalizer because the way things are going, once we get it, if we have enough time left, we probably should be able to win this game the way we're playing. Unfortunately, that's not the way it ended up playing out. But, you know, another five minutes in that match, I think Roma goes home with all three points. Yeah, they made a little push even after that late goal, which came around the 90th minute. Those last eight minutes of stoppage time, Roma pressured Napoli. There was a couple of little half chances where they're like, oh, maybe they might get a, a look at goal. So certainly. And uh, on the back of that, I'll ask you Andy Like sports question first from Twitter. He asked, when was the last time we felt this positive and optimistic about Roma? I could start and say the last time I felt this positive, and this is not at the same level, is probably beating Barcelona, right? Making that deep run into the... Champions League semifinals has been the last time we've probably felt this good about the team. Yeah, I mean, I'd personally say the peak EDF era is probably the most recent time I've felt this optimistic about the side. It's a different type of optimism because with that team, especially in hindsight, it was quite obviously the peak of what that team was able to do. Like, don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed players like Kevin Strootman and Roger Nangelin and the tail end of De Rossi's career and all those players um, performing very well. But they were all kind of at the peak age for footballers at that time. So even though it was impressive that we were able to do the remontada against Barcelona and get to the semifinals of the Champions League and things like that, <clears throat> it very much felt like that was the peak of what that Roma squad was able to do. Whereas here, so many of the key players, you know, Patricio, Mkhitaryan, and Smoking aside, are young and still developing. So we're seeing a side that already is able to do things that we want Roma to be able to do with the promise that, you know, over the course of the next several years, it's not unfeasible to expect the bar to be raised even higher, which is an exciting feeling to have. Yeah, I completely agree. I would just add that um, I definitely see the argument for the, the Champions League semifinal being the last time that we felt similarly. But um, I think where I'm at right now is more uh, anticipation with what happens in the summer, because depending on where we finish, who we get in the summer, I can easily see myself being um, just beyond excited for next season to get started. The, I don't even want to begin to imagine the all the names will be linked to over the course of the summer. And it's going to give us a ton to write about, I'm sure. But um, I think, you know, the, with the way the team's playing, the team is clearly buying into everything Mourinho is telling them. So finish the season on a strong note, bring in some quality players, and then I would put it at that level where um, 
you know, it's that, that same level of excitement as the Champions League semis. Yeah, and I think the thing to add is the fact we have Mourinho now, right? EDF, that was like, I don't know, his like epiphany moment was he, he was able to masterclass that win over Barcelona. Mourinho's been there, done that, and he has that enthusiasm around him where he was hired to, to get a job done. He's also got Rome into the semifinals of the Conference League. It is only the Conference League compared to the Champions League, but he is starting to achieve the objectives that we would have expected from his first season, right? We said, well, if we're in the Conference League, we might as well play it to win it once we're out of the group stage. He's playing to do that. If they could beat Leicester, that's a Premier League scalp they could they can take, and then maybe Marseille in the final, or there's a, a Dutch side playing Marseille. I forget which Dutch side advanced, but one of those teams could be PSV. next. PSV, right? I couldn't remember if it was them or, or the other Dutch side for, uh, that was in it. But, uh, you know, I think the Mourinho effect also adds to some of the optimism because in the summer, like you mentioned, that's where the optimism can really grow. If Roma finishes strong and then you bring in a couple players that Mourinho targets and are like upgrades, Roma didn't upgrade that Champions League side, right? This side could be upgraded to another level that could really add to the optimism next year, especially when you see where the top four in Serie A are compared to Roma. Are they that much better than Roma right now? I don't know. Napoli clearly isn't. We drew them twice, right? Juve, regrettably, should have probably won at least one of those matches. And we'll see about Inter this coming week. So we'll see. I, I, I would say definitively Inter's better. I think there's an argument to be made for the rest of them. I think next season, Juve might go back to that tier where they're just kind of untouchable, depending on who they bring in. Because I'm sure they're geared for another big spending spree at some point. But as of right now, I'm based on how the season's gone, I would definitely say probably only enter. Yeah, I agree. And and we get them on Saturday, right? So maybe Romo goes in and gets at least a draw at the San Siro. Then maybe we feel even a little bit better about uh, how we match up with those teams. So one key theme in Roma's 12th match on beat and run has been late goals. So Costaba Harry Haran asked, what do you make of the team's ability to find those late goals so far? What has changed for us? Do you think that this Roma is more physically fit and active than the squads we've seen in the recent past? If so, why? And he also uh, said, P.S., the game thread for Napoli drew uh, about 730 comments, which seems to be the highest I've ever seen. So congratulations on that. Yeah, we, we thank everybody for interacting on the boards because uh, Bren reference, we used to get about 1,000 for those Champions League matches, right? This is a Monday afternoon in the States, Monday night in Europe for Napoli. So thanks again for interacting. We'd love to see the enthusiasm in the fan base. But if one of you wants to give your take on the uh, late goals. Yeah, yeah, I'll jump in quick. Um, so I don't necessarily, I don't have any physical stats in front of me in terms of uh, <laughs> kilometers ran and things like that. But um, I, I think it, I think it has more to do with the mental aspect of it anyway, because, you know, we know these players are pretty fit um, when healthy, <laughs> the big caveat, but um Oftentimes when we're chasing games um, and you're pushing for those late goals, so often there have been these Roma sides where just mentally they just weren't up for it or their confidence and their self-belief just wasn't there. So naturally as that's changing with Mourinho, that it, it stands to reason that those late goals will, would start to come in. And I think that's probably um, why we're seeing those. Yeah, I definitely think there's a mental aspect for sure. That That's part of what has a lot to do with coming back from behind, right? You have to believe you can do it. And I, I do think there is a level of physical fitness that has improved to an extent so far this season. I think overall the injuries have been reasonable for a team to expect. It hasn't been anything over the top like we've seen in the past. 
And also, Roma played on Thursday. This game was on Monday. One of my worries when they fell behind early was, are they fatigued, right? Because he played pretty much the same 11 outside of swapping out Mkhitaryan to give him a rest from the Bodo match. Because my buddy who was watching the match live, he's like, you know, how's Roma losing to this Napoli? And I'm like, well, one the one thing I can think of not really watching much of the game live, so about the first 20 minutes live on my lunch break was, they could be fatigued and they don't seem to be fatigued and, and they're going late into matches and winning matches playing on short rest. Napoli hadn't played for I think eight days. I mean, I would just add one thing, which is I hate to use an, an another sport as a reference point here, but I was lucky enough to see uh, the Brooklyn Nets play the Boston Celtics on Sunday, which ended with a similar, you know, very last second uh, score changing the outcome of the game. And what I think also plays a role here is players knowing what their role is in the side and having an understanding and acceptance of building a team mentality. Like part of it is definitely thinking, yeah, we, I believe that we can win on like an individual level. Like I can make that goal happen. And we've seen from Stefan El Sharawi that he like the only goals he's goals he's scored this season have been an extra time. So on an individual level, he clearly has, that mentality that you know if you put him on the pitch he can just make a goal happen but i would also add that i think that sometimes something that roma has often struggled with is that there have been players who will take long shots for no apparent reason or you know a lot of different players who decide that hero ball is the answer and the nice thing about the way this goal happened was that it happened in a way that it wasn't one of our superstars just like hoisting everything on their shoulders is like, this is what I have to do. This is a player who, you know, I mean, is a big name. I won't deny that SES is a big name, but like at this point, he's a rotation option for Roma. Right. And he comes in and he's able to score the goal. And that's something that needs to be appreciated as well. That a lot of the times on a defensive standpoint, late in a game, the players who are going to get hounded are the players that you want to be like, scoring those last second goals like the tammy abraham if it's a draw or like a one goal game you you can bet your bottom dollar that like the defenders are going to be hounding him at the end of the game and so you need players like stefan el sharawi to be able to come in and score that goal and you need players like tammy abraham to you know set them up for that opportunity you can't just have tammy go against three defenders or zaniolo go against four defenders and expect a goal to happen every single time There'll be some moments if you do that where there's moments of greatness. But like if you want to actually win the match, you got to be comfortable with, you know, giving these rotation options the actual moments to shine. Yeah. And I think you make a great point about the team mentality, right? El Shirari could easily have sulked this season. Oh, I came back to Roma for what? Now I'm sitting the bench. I'm barely playing. He came in, he scored the goal. The week before, Carlos Perez. Another guy who has been sitting the bench a lot comes in late, doesn't pout, scores the goal, right? So now you have other guys contributing that Zaniolo or Abraham doesn't, you know, on the goal, Abraham made a great play, kind of just sliding it back to El Shari, a little bit of a flick on. And Zanoli, the young uh, right back for Napoli, who's in filling in for Di Lorenzo right now, got sucked in. He saw Abraham, the ball coming to him, and he he got sucked in there. And that left El Shari wide open on the back post. To, to knock in from about 10, 12 yards. That was a great shot to beat Moret, but you're right. The, the focal point is there. Okay, Abraham's this guy. has got 24 goals for Roma, whatever it is right now. The young kid collapses in. El Shari's wide open, takes his chance, and buries it. And, and those are the things that are going to earn those kind of guys more playing time too because Mourinho is going to appreciate those, those contributions. So 
I, I agree too. I think the team aspect is so important. Yeah, I'll just jump in quickly, give a little shout out to Athena Gian because it could have been very easy for him to, um, you know, pick up the ball and try to go around mm-hmm. whichever Napoli defender was on him. I can't remember off the top of my head, but, you know, as young as he is, that maturity to just let the ball roll past and um, find its way to Abraham so he could set up SES is just, you know, you got to tip your hat off to him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would also just add that, you know, he hasn't been able to replicate like the brace that he scored or like some of the goals that he's, he was scoring towards the beginning of his entry into the senior team yet, which is somewhat disappointing. But there's been a lot that I've been seeing from a Fenagian that has been exciting for his long term prospects, arguably more than if he just went on a scoring tear. You know, with, like if he was putting up empty stats at the end of a Roma season and things weren't meaningful it'd be very different than what we're seeing now, which is fewer goals, but we're seeing him play the right way. We're seeing him tactically fit with the side and, you know, make those decisions that Brandon mentioned, you know, getting the ball to Abraham at the right moment. Yeah, for sure. So positive result, like we said, another positive result in this 12 match unbeaten run. And Daniel Silva wants to know, do we see a clear improvement from last season regarding facing big sides? Uh, If yes, what is it? Well, uh, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I won't go too deep into it again, but I really think it's, it comes down to the mental side. Yeah. You know, thinking that you can win these games against these teams and, um, you know, you got to keep giving, tipping your hat to them for the growth they've shown over the course of the season. But I really think that's like the big thing. Obviously we've, we've, uh, you know, we have a world-class coach now and brought in players like Abraham who Jekko is his own beast, but, Tammy is uh, definitely unlocked a different dimension of this Roma side. So there's more than one factor at play, but that, that mental side, I think is, uh, can't be highlighted enough. Yeah. I mean, I would just add on the Jekyll versus Abraham argument. Like obviously Jekyll still has stuff in the tank. I'm not going to question like it. I miss him a little bit. And in the sense that like, I enjoyed him when he was at Roma but I think that there's also something to be said for the idea when you have a manager as obviously the biggest star in the team, it makes it a whole lot harder for a star player, even a star player, to kind of assert themselves in a prima donna type way. And I like Jekyll a lot. But there were times when it felt like both on the pitch and off the pitch, he asserted himself as more of a prima donna. And that happened. That was true with every every superstar player that Roma's ever had, to be clear, not just Jekyll. Um, but I think that by getting Abraham in as a guy who can score a lot of goals, but isn't necessarily, you know, it doesn't have the ego yet of the guy who will be scoring 20 plus goals in a top flight league for the next decade. Um, I think that's also pretty key to how Roma's been successful, bringing in people who don't seem to have a huge amount of ego. Yeah, I'll just throw in, I agree, the mental aspect is huge. I think the one nothing down 10 minutes in on a penalty like we had yesterday in the San Paolo, Pac San Paolo, last year, the year before, I could see Roma losing that match 3 nothing, no problem. Like we saw in the Derby a couple of years ago, Nibani's made a couple key mistakes. And I think, though, the world-class coach aspect is also a big one, right? Mourinho has game-planned most of these big matches very well so far this year. The one, the one aside is the intermatch at home, but we were also playing four center backs as we, we were so thin at the, the, the fullback positions at that point. But other than that, he's game-planned these matches well. He's, 
he's able to match up against the Spallettis of the world. And uh, I don't even want to throw Inzaghi. He's still a pretty young coach himself, but Inzaghi's pretty good. You know, Gasparini, he's he's outdone these guys in, in some aspects. We'll see about Inzaghi the next match, but he's doing a nice job there. So I think those have to be, I think that's a great point you made there, Brandon, in addition to the mental aspect. So AS Roma SoCal asked what's been Roma's biggest weaknesses and biggest strengths tactically in the last month. He said the mental aspect, the change there is obvious, but what's helped us go so far in this unbeaten run? And uh, is Mickey the most influential player on the pitch post Toti DDR era? I'll tackle the Mickey part first. I think the answer is probably yes. Um, not necessarily even for what he's doing on the pitch week in, week out, which is stupendous. Um, but for the mentality that he's displaying, I mean, I don't know if anybody else remembers this, but when Mourinho came in, a lot of people were worried. They were like, oh, Mkhitaryan did not get along with him at Manchester United. Is this going to go poorly? Like, is this going to be one of those cases where Mourinho comes in and just like blows up the locker room because of, you know, petty squabbles? And I both both Mkhitaryan and Mourinho said from day one, that was Manchester. This is Rome. We're, we're going to approach this from scratch. And you can really see that in the way that Mkhitaryan has become an essential part of Mourinho's tactics, but also in the way that Mkhitaryan has become incredibly adaptable to what the side needs and what Mourinho needs on a weekly basis. Like I wouldn't have predicted Mkhitaryan playing in almost like a DM type role or like a double pivot midfield type role uh, at the beginning of this season. And he did it pretty well. Uh, he did it better than Verktu does it a lot of the time. Um, and that's really encouraging. He's also been incredibly healthy this season, which I think is is a little bit underrated right now. I mean, the best ability is availability, right? And Roma has so often had issues with injuries to their star players that having a player who isn't, you know, a star on the level of Abraham Pellegrini or, you know, at his peak Zaniolo right now, but it's still a very well-known, like superstar for his national team, star level talent. Um, having him be so consistently available and playing the 90 minutes pretty much every game, you got to respect that. And so, yeah, I think I would go along with the fact that Mkhitaryan is definitely, you know, one of the most influential players that we've had in a while. When Jimmy first said Mkhitaryan, I did the, um, internally, I did the Michael Jordan meme from the last dance <laughs> where he acts shocked. Um, just because, you know, He's, it seems like he's been here not very long. So for him to be uh, the most influential player post all the DDR, uh, you know, that's that's a big thing. But all, having said that, we're not too far removed from that era anyway. Um, I think uh, so. I think ultimately, I agree with what Jimmy said. I think the other argument you could make is Smalling, but um, just in terms of what's been different about this team recently during this unbeaten run not a coincidence that it's overlapped with Smalling finally being healthy but as Jimmy was just talking about um you know <laughs> being healthy is like one of the number one qualities you can have as a player so probably have to give the nod to Mkhitaryan over Smalling but arguably just as important um in that post Tati DDR era yeah, and I think that plays into the tactic part of this question too. Uh, Marino has been able to to tactically be a little more secure in the midfield with Mkhitaryan playing there. We've talked about in certain episodes how many ball recoveries Mkhitaryan's had in the midfield, playing that 
uh, not only influential attacking wise, but also being influential in helping clean up the midfield next to Cristante. So that's helped. I think tactically too, Roma's also strung together some nice team goals. I think the passing has improved so much since the beginning of the season. I think that's part of that counterattacking football Mourinho likes to play sometimes. I mean, the biggest weakness, I don't know if it's a weakness. Sometimes it bothers me when they sit back a little too much against some sides. Maybe they shouldn't sit back against. Um, but I, again, I think that is part of Marino looking to exploit spaces and behind an open defense with his players that are good on, on the counterattack. That's the way I see it. But I mean, tactically, you can't be too upset with too much that's happened in a 12 match on beat and run outside of a couple goals here or there. Um, and speaking of tactics, Mohamed El Sergani from Twitter as is playing a back three hindering Roma's attacking potential. I'll just throw this number at you guys here. Uh, XG in the league over the course of the season right now, Roma has the second highest XG in the league at 55.7 behind only Inter's 66.2 um, actual goals scored. Roma scored 54. So there are only a, a goal and a half or so behind where they're expected to score. And Inter's actually outperformed their XG was 68, but Roma attacking wise has really done well uh, in terms of creating. It's more the finishing. I think that's hurting them than the back three, because when you talk about goals uh, forced, Roma drops down to one, two, three, four, five, six, tied for seventh with Atalanta in the, in the league. So other teams outperforming their expected goals and Roma's a little bit underperforming. So that that's, that's where I see it. I think it's more the finishing. I don't know if you guys want to throw anything in on that. Yeah. I mean, I would also just add that bad luck had a whole lot to do with that at the beginning of the season too. I mean, I think that we would have been viewing the first half of the season very differently if, ignores any return from injury just Tammy Abraham if he had been not hitting the woodwork a solid six times in the first six weeks of play like I think we would be thinking have thought about the first half of the season very differently so a lot I mean you can't it, it sucks to say some of this is luck but yeah some of it is luck yeah I was gonna throw in the Abraham post thing too so agreed with the rest of um what you guys were saying for sure yeah, it certainly makes a difference. I look over here at Lazio, 65 goals forced uh, on an expected XG of uh, 46.7. So it just shows sometimes luck plays into it, a little more clinical finishing. But heck, I'd rather be in Roma's situation than Lazio's right now. So I'll take a few less goals scored with the way Roma's playing right now. Um, one player that's a little bit under the spotlight, not to the extent of Zaniolo after this match, but is uh, Roger Ibanya. So he was responsible for giving up the penalty in the first uh, few minutes of the match. Uh, I guess stepped on uh, Lozano's ankle. No call at first by the referee on the pitch. Dubello went to VAR, was reviewed, was a penalty according to VAR. So uh, this this question's from the set piece on the message boards. He asked, based on his play against Napoli, do you think Ibanez gets the nod in either the Leicester or Inter matches? Or do you think Kumbala deserves a start? Uh, we've all seen Roger display moments of brilliance throughout his short career at Roma so far, but when he makes a mistake, it's usually a match-changing one. I have to agree with that part, unfortunately. With such big games ahead, can Roma afford to give up an easy goal with such inconsistency and sometimes liability at the back? I think I know where Jimmy might go with this, but Brandon, you go first. <laughs> well, in terms of, um, you know, him making a mistake, usually it being a massive one, I think that's just kind of the nature of being a defender. Uh, you're, you know, you're operating so yeah. close to your own goal. Um, any mistake can be fatal, but... In terms of his um, the setup in the Inter and Leicester matches, I think Smalling's a lock. Obviously, assuming he's fully fit, um, so you would it would stand a reason that Kumbula would get a start 
in either one of those matches because he's been playing well. I know um, we have a pretty solid rotation of center backs at our disposal with everybody healthy, but Kambula has been playing well. Uh, Smalling's locked, obviously. So um, I would probably say for the inter match, give him, give him, throw him a bone, give him a start. Um, just because that's kind of a match you you don't go into expecting it to lose, but you're going up against one of the contenders for the title, so you're less optimistic going into that than some of the other matches. So if you have if you're if you want to save Abanez, um, give him a little mental reset in advance of the Leicester game, which is now for all intents and purposes our most important game of the season. I think the intermatch would be a great one for Kumbula to get a start in. And I'm just wondering before you go, Jim, is is Inter maybe a better matchup for Kumbula, who's not the fleetest of foot, whereas those Premier League teams play really quick sometimes, and maybe Ibanez's pace can make up for any any little lapses, whereas Kumbula might get caught out um, in space if if Leicester's playing quick. I don't even know if he's healthy, but you just gave me the um, mental image of Jamie Vardy just tearing Kumbula to shreds. and <laughs> <laughs> That's not something that I'm uh, eager to see. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying there, Brandon. I, I would agree with that. As for, you know, Ibanez's mistake that cost the penalty, I mean, you don't have to dive too far into Roma Twitter to see that that was a pretty contentious penalty call, as was the no-call penalty on uh, Zaniolo towards the end of the match. And, I mean, Mourinho himself was not afraid to basically just call out Dubello by name and say, like, it's kind of a coincidence that, you know, every time – we have DiBello as a ref. Things get kind of weird. Um, but, I mean, here's what I would say. Steve, you already mentioned that, you know, it's kind of a defender's job to be the last resort. And so when a defender makes a mistake, it looks 100 times worse than when, like, an attacker makes one or a midfielder makes one because quite often it can end in the goal scored. I would add that that's especially true for the type of play that Ibanez is quite often like adored for in the Romaverse. When you are a player, like personally, I think that center backs like Kumbula or Chris Smalling are often underappreciated by fans because they do less of the kind of impressive one-on-one defending that, you know, can, as much as, you know, defenders don't get highlight reels that often, can get a defender a highlight reel. Whereas so much of being the guy who you partner with a Rodri Banez or a Marquinhos or a Medi Benatia is being kind of the calm head while they, and making sure that, you know, if that mistake happens, if the guy who's kind of crazy and makes the mistake, that there's another defender backing him up. You, but you need a defender who has a bit of that crazy to him. And I think Ibanez has a bit of that crazy to him. And you can't just get upset at him for following that and, you know, getting burned because that's just, that happens to every defender. Um, if it didn't, it would be really, really boring to watch every single 0-0 draw. Uh, as for, you know, Kumbula, I want to see him play. I think he deserves to play. His form's been excellent. We're in the middle of a great problem with our center backs that we just have basically four very deserving center backs to get consistent minutes. And, you know, I think in Mourinho's ideal world, we'd only even play two. So 
in the long term, that's probably a good thing because it's setting Mourinho up to be able to actually have the depth that he wants at each position. But, you know, it's a rich man's problem to be thinking, should I be starting Kumbola or Ibanez? And I would probably go with what you guys were saying, which is save Ibanez for Leicester, have Kumbola against Inter. Yeah, so part of the, you know, what happened, we mentioned the refereeing, DiBello came up, right? I'll ask you guys, for you, penalty or no penalty on that Ibanez play? That was a super penalty. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I'll just say. Let me just say, I agree, but my issue is the way that it's been called. There's been different ways that it's called. And that, that is my biggest issue with Italian refereeing bar none, just that there's not consistency with how calls are called. And when we say things like, oh, VAR confirmed it was a penalty, let's be real what that means. That's a guy with looking at some video footage confirming it's a penalty. It's just another guy, right? And so, yeah. I mean, like, it's not some robot. It's just a dude up in, in the video booth instead of on the pitch. And so, like, are you going to tell me that the that they, like, keep the VAR referee isolated from anyone who might slip him a 20 to, to, to decide that something's a penalty or not? Like, no, come on, let's be real. It's just, it's another Italian referee and I don't trust Italian referees as far as I can throw them. Um, so I would agree with Brandon that it was not, that it definitely was a penalty. Um, I would say that Zaniolo's was a penalty as well. Um, and I would just add that like the discrepancies between how those are called from match to match is really infuriating to me. So I'll say 100% a penalty. When it, when it wasn't called in lifetime, I was kind of shocked. And then the first replay was kind of up high. So you saw the possible shoulder to shoulder. Then as soon as they showed the like full body shot, I'm like, he stepped on his ankle. There's no way he's getting away with that. If it wasn't called for Roma, like if that was Tammy in Lozano's spot, I would have been furious. So I have to say 100% a penalty for me. Uh, it's just reckless defending on Ibanez's part because he was beaten. Yeah, I had my um, my head in my hands uh, when he did the action because I was like, oh, this is for sure a penalty. And then the the shock on my face when the referee's running back saying, come on, get up, let's yeah. go. And I was like, please just like keep play going. Let's not go back to it. But obviously we know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there you referenced the, the Zaniolo incident, Jimmy, which was uh, Tarnier uh, from Twitter asked the goalie or says the goalie knew that he was going to take Zaniolo off with such a challenge and he went for it. True, the contact is after Zaniolo shoots the ball, but then he was risking injuring the player altogether. Means to an end that intention, in my opinion, is a penalty. What do you think? I, Jimmy already said he thought the Zaniolo one was a penalty. What about you, Brandon? think we might have lost his audio yeah we've lost you brandon yeah. uh, okay i i missed oh, now we got you yeah now then we, we got, got you. you now so we, i was just asking for you as the zaniel incident a penalty um that one was a little more uh questionable for me i think i the the roma fan in me obviously leans yes but i've seen that not called a bunch of times i wasn't shocked at all when it wasn't given just because uh they like i mentioned i've seen that a bunch and we know how things go against roma when we need them to go a certain way at times but um for for, i don't know i think the way the game was called it probably should have been given but ultimately i'm not too upset about it i think roma had their chances especially after the equalizer to win the game so that's not necessarily one that i'm gonna hang my hat on and be like at the end of the season be like oh this is why we're not top four yeah, I think there was a little more gray area in that call, and I could, could have seen it go either way. But the fact that he does get the shot off, I can see why the referee doesn't call it. 
but I can see what Tarnia is saying. The way Moret came out and pretty much took him out is what makes you kind of throw your hands up. Like, you know what? And it, it, it with Zaniolo, it becomes even more infuriating sometimes because he just gets abused all game long. Like he was getting double and yeah. triple teamed all match. So then this happens and I can see why, you know, Roma Twitter is up in arms a little bit, but I can see why it wasn't called. You know, if that wasn't called on Rui Patricio, I wouldn't be upset. I'd be like, okay, Rui made a good play. He came out, took the ball first and, you know, let, let's play on. So, you know, I guess I mean, we have to look at, yeah, I mean, it's a hundred percent what I've said before, which is that for every week this season that the referees decided that defenders could do whatever they wanted to Zaniolo, it just emboldened more and more defenders to be like, oh, I can do whatever the hell I want against Saniolo and there will likely be small little consequence to it. And that just builds up over time. These guys watch the video footage. They can see just as well as we can that, you know, oh, wow, that defender is playing him really hard and not getting carded. And so, yeah, I mean, even if it's subconscious, you have to imagine that, especially for a big side like Napoli, they know, oh, we can boss him around a huge amount and not get punished for it and that's the end result yeah and one last question the referee jakai from twitter wants to know do we think uh we will have better more consistent refereeing next season or are the refs just against roma and, and Mourinho at this point um i don't know if we'll get more consistent refereeing next season my hunch is that we will not but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the system as a whole, right? I mean, how, yeah. is the Roma the only team that gets shafted sometimes? I don't think so. Or inconsistent refereeing, I don't think so. I do think it stands looking, out yeah, If you're looking for right? consistent refereeing in, in Serie A, man, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> all, I care, all I care about is getting more shots of Mourinho like we got yesterday where Fusato got that red card and he's just like <laughs> cackling at the ref. <laughs> like, what are we doing here, guys? Um, so yeah. as long as we keep getting those moments. Uh, red carding the, the backup keeper who's played yeah. more games all year, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right we're going to take a quick commercial break there when we get back we're going to talk Mourinho, Zaniolo, and just a quick look ahead to Inter hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, we're back from our quick commercial break. And now we're going to talk Jose Mourinho. You know, Mourinho was under a lot of fire early on. So the, the hiring had really mixed emotions for some fans. Some people were for it, some against it. And I mean, at this point, who can argue with the 12 match on beating streak, right? So... We have a couple questions on Mourinho. Jirasti from the CDT message board says, uh, Roma's mentality seems to be improving under Jose. I was skeptical at first due to Jose's marginalization of players who were contributors in the past, like Myral, VR, and now Vertu. So what specific characteristics is Jose looking for in a player? And, on, and who on the current roster will Pinto look to sell due to a lack of proper mentality? Side note, I understand Jose has his reasons. I just don't know exactly what he's looking for, but it's hard not to see plummeting transfer values for once promising, but now out of favor players. 
Uh, and also he throws in, what is the deal with the English speaking media and Jose? What did he do to them to create such a uh, absurd, toxic and inaccurate narrative around him? I wasn't thrilled about the hire, mostly because of the narratives I had seen on popular soccer pods. Uh, but it turns out a lot of the narratives around Jose are highly inaccurate. He parks the bus. His football is not aesthetically pleasing. He blames his players for everything. He's a dinosaur tactically. He doesn't play youth. He hates Mickey and Smalling, et cetera. I mean, we could probably have more points if we actually parked the bus at times this season. Mickey and Smalling are essential players. Felix and Levski and other youth players are getting significant playing time. He did throw some players under the bus after Bodo 1.0. He wasn't wrong, right? So a lot there to unpack, but let's just talk about, first, I guess we could talk about um, the, the way he's going about it and players maybe that he, what's he looking for and who maybe goes? I think one of the key attributes that he's looking for in players is he does not want offensive flash without like defensive hard work. I don't, I think that he sees the game as two-sided regardless of what position you play. And if you look at players like VR, Mayoral, and to a certain extent, Vertu, those are players who have quite impressive attacking prowess. I mean, Myral was our top scorer last year. Uh, VR looked great as an attacking, like advanced playmaker. And Vertu, again, is a guy who can score 10 plus goals in a season. But defensively, they're all kind of whack. And um, I think that given that, uh, and he probably, I think what, if you had to read my, if I had to read his mind, I would imagine what he said to them at some point was, you know, I need you to try more on defense. I need to do X, Y, Z. And then we saw in the Bodo game, they just weren't willing to do that. And once it became clear that some of these players weren't going to contribute defensively as much as they needed to, he was like, okay, I'm showing you the door. That's what I ask of you. And you're not doing it. Um, I think that as much as I don't really want Roma to sign Jaka um, in the summer, I think that we could get a better midfielder than that. It makes sense if that's what his measuring stick is for a midfielder. Like if his measuring stick is you will work, you will get the chance to be good on offense if you work hard on defense, then yeah, I can see why he would want someone like that instead of VR. Um as for people that he'll look to sell due to a lack of proper mentality, I feel like a lot of the dead weight in that regard is already gone. To be honest with you, I feel like most of the dead weight that's there now is uh, ex excluding players out on loan who probably are coming back like VR or players who are probably gone in the summer like Vertu. A lot of them are just players who don't play, um, like who like are old or past it or something like that. So like once we get rid of more of that dead weight, I'll be less work like I, I don't think that there's as much dead weight to get rid of at this point yeah i appreciate jimmy touching on the technical aspects of the what marina is looking for as a player because on the other side of it you know look no further than the uh the, the spurs documentary on amazon where he basically is like uh you know i don't want nice guys um and if you look at i don't you know pretend to know any of the roma players personally but uh personality on the pitch you know that shows and clearly some of the guys that we that Roma shipped out don't embody the characteristics that Mourinho is looking for especially because he's basically the European soccer version on steroids of the um the coastal Carolina coach here stateside 
I believe it was where he where he went on that rant about uh, not wanting players who are kitty cats and who want some <laughs> dogs. Um, <laughs> that's essentially what we have here in Mourinho, um, just a little more uh, a little more famous of a character. Yeah, and I wonder if some of the false narratives that uh, Jirasi referenced uh, that are created by the English and Spanish media is because Mourinho is not the friendliest to the media, right? So what better way to kind of get on a guy if you're the media is with you, with the words like you create stories about guys, right? Oh, he doesn't play youth players. Well, we saw at Spurs, he played some guys at Rome, but he's playing guys. You know, oh, Mickey and Smolin don't get along with them. Are you in the locker room with them? Probably not. Look, they patch things up rather quickly and they're two essential players now. Uh, so I think part of that is just Mourinho's uh, relationship with the media isn't the greatest, right? He's, he's not yeah. really adored by the media or, or the referees at this point. So, and he doesn't give a shit in plain, in plain English. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's not here to make friends with the media. And what I love about him is he'll, he'll protect his players. If you're, if the player does what he wants them to do, he, yeah. he'll protect the players in the media. He's not going to let the, the players get attacked by the media, which is something I really like about him. You know, you need the, the manager. That's part of the job is to protect, but especially the younger players like the Zanyols of the world who come under a lot of heat for, for nonsense. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Zaniolo, how many stories about him are out there? Even Tulti when he was young, I'm sure there was a lot of stories about him because they have certain personalities. So I think that's part of, part of that aspect too. I think you guys touch on a lot of great points and he wants guys with balls. Yeah. One thing I would also add is that I think that he wants players who are willing to accept that they have weaknesses and work their ass off to fix them. Mm-hmm. Like if we look at the players who came back from Bodo, Max Kambula being like the number one, like that, like Max Kambula is like the poster child for the Mourinho, like kind of silent treatment that he gave because prior to that, people were looking at him like a, basically a waste of a transfer. Like we spent so much money on him. Why is he not, you know, Rodri Banyas right now? And after the Bodo match, he was gone for about a month, not playing. And it became, became very clear in interviews that, Mourinho had given him instructions and training and he was following them and he was working hard to get to the standard that Mourinho expected of him. And now he is a key rotational piece. I would argue that, you know, for most sides in Serie A, he'd be a starter bar none. Um, I think that the fact that we have such depth at center back is the only reason why he's not like a permanent member of the starting 11. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's the type of player that I think he wants. I think he wants a player who not only will be like, like Brandon said, like a dog in terms of like how they play on the pitch, but off the pitch, I think he wants dogs too. I think he wants guys who are going to just like grind down and say, I'm going to get better at this. And being able to grow from season to season, month to month is like what separates the naturally gifted good players from the naturally gifted great players in any sport the ability to say okay i need to fix xyz in my game this is how i grow um that that is what separates the good from the great in any sport and i think that he wants to make it clear to players that to succeed in his side you need to be able to say i'm going to get better yeah uh kambula is definitely the poster i was just i looked back at the the roster on that day the starting 11 it was myral el sharari perez Darboe, VR, Diawara with a back four of Calafiori, Kumbula, Ibanez, Reynolds, and then Rui in goal. So you, you guys can just see where that went in terms of names. A couple of guys have worked their way back into his good graces. Most have not. And, uh, you know, he, he had to weed out the players who didn't fit what he wanted. He wanted guys who were going to be dogs, like Brandon said, and not just like chihuahuas. He wants pit bulls who are going to fight for every ball. And that's what he's getting from the team now. And that's why they're in a 12-match unbeaten run. It, it's a lot of the fight. 
the team has fight now. They didn't have fight in, in especially last season. They didn't have fight in some of these matches. Um, one interesting thing was I saw on our message board and then on Twitter, there was a comment. Uh, this one comes from Derek that the BT sport commentators who I believe are in England uh, said most of the fans they spoke to wanted us to lose yesterday's match because they want Mourinho out. Is this BS? Cause it doesn't make any sense to me. It sounds certainly like a fabricated story to me. I don't know about you guys. Super BS. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that they would be filling up the Stadio Olympico for a match <laughs> against like, okay, pardon my French fucking Salernitana. <laughs> if, if they wanted him gone, like, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I don't think a yeah, I don't think a loss to Scudetto that the contender Napoli is going to be the one that breaks the camera's yeah. back and <laughs> after eleven unbeaten and going to the semifinals. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to know who these Roma fans are. If there are Roma fans out there who want him gone, like what more could you want from him right now in the situation maybe, that he inherited? Maybe they accidentally interviewed Napoli fans who were pretending to be Roma <laughs> because I mean, honestly, like. I love Spalletti, but if I had to choose between having Spalletti and Mourinho as a manager right now, I'd probably choose Mourinho. Yeah. So one player who maybe, in my opinion, unjustly is getting a lot of criticism is Zaniolo. Um, you know, there, we got a lot of questions about Zaniolo. He was the star on Thursday against Bodo, hat trick hero, three goals to help Roma win 4 nothing, and, and kind of uh, vanquish those Bodo demons from that 6-1 drubbing that we referenced with the 4 nothing win and moving to the semifinals. And then three days later, he's now the biggest villain to some Roma fans. So uh, a couple questions, uh, it, mostly in reference to his maturity, uh, his lack of passing. So I'll just read out a couple. You guys can answer them how, that, how you will. But uh, Yasser Al-Simi says that he basically played the same in both matches. The difference was running into Napoli's defense is different than running uh, in, into Bodo's defense. Do you agree with the assessment that he needs to become more of a team player? That's another theme I've saw in some of these questions. Um, Daniel Silva wants to know, do you think he'll learn to be a better team player? And if he doesn't and is dropped, will the fan base turn on Jose because of that? Um, I hear a lot of talk about Zaniola's quality as a team player. Do you guys believe it is selfishness or inexperience? inexperience? Personally, I believe it is the latter. Although he is 22, his actual top flight football experience is that of a 20-year-old from Sufjan. That is actually a thought I had on my own this morning. And it's, I like to see that Sufjan is thinking the same way because he lost two years to injury. Um, then we had on the other end, personally, uh, Aeroplanino thought Zaniol had a good game, showed a lot of skill. What are your thoughts about him moving forward? And, uh, and Kofi protects him. He says, why do fans criticize Zaniol too much for not passing? You can't dribble and pass at the same time. You know, you need that kind of guy that can dribble at a defense and open up spaces for others. So attack Zaniolo how you will in terms of the questions posed to us. But what do you see in terms of Zaniolo? Selfishness, immaturity, like some are saying, or is it something else? If you want an answer to why Zaniolo gets as much flack as he does, especially after what is correctly noted as more like his year 20 season than anything else, um, it's because of how much hype he had from day one, uh, or not day one of signing with the club, but like once he started, once he played that Real Madrid game, like the expectations were through the roof. People like within like a couple weeks, People were talking about him like he was the second coming of Totti. And to be honest, like there were matches at a, as a 19-year-old where it really looked like he was. And I think that's part of it. I think that you don't – you need a player in your front line who has the confidence to say, yeah, I'm going to do this. You, you can't just have everyone be a perfect team player, especially like particularly in your front line. And you need a guy like Zaniolo who will just be like, okay, it's my turn to take over 
and try to make that happen. And part of the reason why he hasn't been able to take over in Serie A is because of the referee. I won't say that for this season in particular till my dying day. Um, but part of the reason is also that he's coming back from major injuries. If I don't know if any of you guys have had major injuries and tried to, to do like even basic exercise after that, like so much of it, your mentality about something changes the moment you're like, oh, wait, I could really get injured doing this. And going to on like a basic level, it takes a long time to get back to what you were. I'm seeing a lot of encouraging signs from him. I don't think that we should be diminishing Bodo's defense because like, let's be real, Bodo is a pretty good side. And I think that anyone who's like saying that they're not good needs to just own up to the fact that they are pretty good. Uh, and given that, I'm optimistic for his future. I think that the Roman media always needs something to talk about. And I just wish that they wouldn't talk about him like he's supposed to be peak Totti already because like, I don't think that that's fair to him. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I would just add, um, I think what makes the Napoli match and um, Zaniolo's indecisiveness or decisions not to pass particularly egregious is probably this one image that I've been seeing around Twitter uh, the last 24 hours or so where there's a moment where um, I forget who's running at the space, but there's two Roma players um, at the edge of the box and Zaniolo, um, you know, has the ball, cool ball, he's closing in on him and all he has to do is lay it off and probably would be an easy goal. And so, you know, now you have people like, oh, like, oh, he should have passed it. We would have won otherwise. We would have you know, been two points off the, the race for top four. But you have to you have to appreciate that moment in context where Koulibaly was just shutting everything down. And um, so when you have a player like that closing in on you, your decision-making is not going to be, you know, at 100% or you, won't, you don't necessarily will make the right pass. And that comes with experience, which ties into what we were talking about and ostensibly being – you know, a 20-year-old soccer player in a 22-year-old's body. Um, so all of these things go hand in hand as to why the Napoli match went for Zaniolo, how it did. But like you mentioned, we're just a few days removed from him running all over Bodo. And as Jimmy said, they're a quality side, but the difference is one side has just this uh, Colossus and Koulibaly shutting everything down. And then, you know, Bodo has your, your more average players, but um, I don't think that should – I don't think the, the crowd should be as fickle as on the yellow uh, with that in mind. And I think I agree with what Jimmy was saying um, about his room to grow. So I, I think he'll come good. It'll be interesting to see whether we keep hold of him or not this summer um, because, you know, how the rumor, the rumor mill has been turning with that. But I think, I think if we do keep him for another season, I think – that's when we'll be seeing the dividends, um, especially under Mourinho's tenure. Yeah, I agree. I, I got a tweet from my buddy. I say he forwarded me a tweet from, it was from a Lazio account. So it was like, oh, you know, Wonder Boy's not so good unless he's playing Norwegian Fisherman. You know, he's got two goals and two assists and 33 Serie A matches, blah, blah, blah. And this is my buddy, you know, I'm not going to judge him until he's at least a year removed from two ACL surgeries, right? I mean, he's starting to look physically like he did before the surgeries, right? Which is, which is huge because- when you, when you blow out your knee, you lose explosiveness. You lose some of that power in your running, and he hasn't lost that. He looks to be just as strong. He put on some muscle, and, and that aspect is there. Jimmy referenced it. The referees do him no favors. I'm not making excuses for him, but 
it's got to get frustrating, right? You're, you're dribbling and then you get whacked, you know, with kicks and whatever else they're throwing at you and you're not getting any calls. So that just lets them play you even more physically. And he's, and he's a big physical kid, which is probably why some people get a little leeway against him that maybe other players wouldn't, but you know, yeah, there's certainly aspects of his game that he need to improve. His passing could be better. His, his, you know, overall awareness needs to improve a little bit, but again, he's a 20 year old player in terms of his actual on the pitch time. So I think those things will come. You can't teach the physical gifts that he has that left, that left foot, that goal against Bodo, where he put in the upper 90, I think it was the third goal. I mean, it was just vicious, right? Some of the goals we've seen him score in his Roma time are just lovely goals. And to give up on him now and sell him for what are you going to get 40 million because somebody's going to whittle you down because, oh, you know, he only had two goals in Serie A, so we're Juve. We're going to give you 40 million if you want to sell him, blah, blah, blah. And then he's going to turn to a 100 million euro player there. I don't think so. I'm not giving up on him. I'm looking at some of the stats, you know, shot creating actions per 90 in Serie A. The only two players with a higher rate of shot creating actions per 90 in the team are Carlos Perez, who's played very little. So it's easy to inflate stats that way. And Lorenzo Pellegrini, which is unsurprising because he's our, our chief creator in terms of setting other players up. Um, even in terms of his dribbling uh, in possession, you know, in terms of successful dribbles per 90, the only player with a higher number is Christian Volpato, who's played like 10 minutes. So you look at Zaniolo, he's the one dribbling the most for the team, opening up space for others. When he creates that space, could he be a little bit better with the ball? Of course. But again, this comes with maturity. I don't think he's a bad team player. Nobody seems to really dislike him. Mourinho, you know, after Roma tied the game, gave him a hug yesterday, right? So him and Mourinho seem to have a good relationship too. And I think this is a guy Mourinho is like probably drooling about having full fitness, full full year away from injury that he can really unleash him, I think. I would also just add, I don't, obviously, you know, I'm in my mid-20s. I was not around for when Francesco Totti exploded onto the scene. But from what I've read about it, the way that the media treated Francesco Totti at the beginning of his career was very different from the way that Francesco Totti was treated by the media basically after the 2006 World Cup. Like, there's like a level of reverence that's baked in to most people's understanding of Francesco Totti. Uh, for Roma. And that's good. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. He deserves it. He's a once in a generation type player. But I remember reading articles about how when he became one of the youngest captains in Serie A, people just teared him to shreds on a regular basis for exhibiting a lot of the things that people kind of critique Zaniolo for now. Um, So I'm not saying that Zaniolo is guaranteed to have that kind of trajectory either but I think that it's very easy for the tabloids for talking heads for basically anybody with two brain cells to rub together uh to criticize the young hotshot attacking prospect when the goals aren't pouring in and like it's it writes itself and so I think that he still passes the eye test on an incredible level I can't believe that we're having to have this conversation after he was became Roma's youngest player to score a hat trick in a European competition like I really can't like come on man like that's the most encouraging thing I've seen from Zaniolo since his injury we should be celebrating him right now instead of having to answer questions about like why is he bad now like I can't believe you say that about a guy who just scored a hat trick 
it's all the it's all the sex he's having as our <laughs> good friend would say <laughs> yeah i mean i, I part of it's got to be jealousy right in the media things like that i mean I, but i think it all comes back to the early success because if nikola zalewski had the same exact performance as zaniolo had yesterday are people criticizing zalewski the same way they're criticizing zaniolo no way right any other player who's 22 is not getting that kind of criticism. It, it's just that he was so good, so quick, looked like the next stud for not only Roma, but for the Azuri, and then blows out his knee in that, that uh, Nations League match, that meaningless match really for Italy, set, set him in downward spiral, comes back, looks great in the summer of 2020 because he got to play again because the COVID shutdown delayed the season, looks strong, and then gets hurt again you know, right away. Actually, the first injury I'm sorry, was Juventus, and then it was the, the Nations League that did him in the second time. You know, there's a reason why Juventus wants them. I'll, I'll leave it there. There's a reason why they're willing to put, pay 40 to 60 or whatever they would offer at this point for a two goal, two assists on Yolo. There's a reason. You know, Juventus isn't stupid. I mean, they're down a little bit right now, but they they know what they're looking at in Zaniolo if they could prime away from Roma for the right price. Yeah, Juventus knows how to spend money. Let's be real. Like Juventus knows how to spend money. That's probably the thing that they're best at doing. Like Fino Alafina, yeah, Fino Ala checkbook. I mean, like they're just gonna they're gonna drop a hundred million dollars on him if they want to. They think that it's a buy low sell high opportunity at the very least, or a buy low win championships mo- moment at the best. Yeah, if you ever see a player of Roma's linked to a Juve or a Liverpool or any one of these clubs, just hold on to them for dear life because there's a reason that they're being linked to these clubs. Yeah, no question. So. You know, hopefully now Zaniolo will miss the next match uh, at Inter because of yellow card suspension. Also uh, sprained his ankle around this. He got stepped uh, hit by Moret and then he ended up going down a little bit later in the match with that ankle around the 75th minute came out. So maybe it's a good thing he's got the yellow card just so he doesn't try to force himself back sooner. Will we see him against Leicester? We'll see how the ankle responds. But uh, looking ahead before Leicester is Inter. So uh, AS Roma fan six wants to know Roma was able to control the second half against Napoli by switching tactics and attacking. If you were Jose Mourinho, would you attack into early and try to grab the early lead? Or would you hang back, play defense and counter like they did in the first half against Napoli? How would you approach the intermatch? Who was probably the arguably strongest side in the league? Well, I think the difference uh, between the intermatch and the Napoli one that just happened is that we conceded very, very early. And I think had that not happened, probably rattle the players a little bit so had that not happens i think we probably would have seen the entire game more in line with what we saw in the second but having said that you know we've already kind of talked about how entered and just might be a bridge too far for this team as currently constructed so i would probably play um a little deeper and, and push for that counterattack. obviously they can do it we've seen it in some of these team goals uh in recent weeks so i wouldn't be surprised if that was a strategy but at the same time, um, if there's an opportunity to push early and steal a goal and then double down on that counterattacking strategy, then I would also go for that. But it kind of just depends on how that opening 15 minutes or so goes, just because so often over the course of the season, all of Roma's games seem to be decided or at least like the, um, you know, the tone of the match is set in those opening 15 minutes. Yeah, I didn't get to see the Coppa Italia match against Inter a couple months ago, but I know from the first match, like I referenced, you know, we were we were in an injury crisis at that point in the long in the back line, so it was hard to see how Mourinho approached that match, you know, with his full personnel. And the Coppa match, I remember, was was zero zero pretty long into that match, wasn't it? About sixty minutes before Inter finally broke through. Yeah, it was. So you know, maybe he goes with a similar approach, which I think was pretty defensive. 
and then maybe they try to hit out. I remember this one right or wrong? Nope, this was Eden Jekko scoring in the second minute. Oh, that's right. They scored volley. the second minute. They held yeah, out for right. a long time <laughs> before, before yeah, Sanchez he, scored yeah. that really nice goal to, to put it away. And, that's right. And that's exactly it. Jekko scores two minutes in, game plan out the window. That's right. So, mm. Why'd you have to remind me of that one, Jekko two minutes in, yeah. Because <laughs> I had to see that live. <laughs> yeah, see that one I didn't see live, so I, I erased it from my, my memory banks. <laughs> But yeah, the, the last time we played them too, it was it was tough. They played Rodri Banyas as a right wing back essentially because they didn't have Karsdorp. It was it was a whole mess, and there was no Tammy that match. That was a match that Tammy actually uh, missed. So that just shows where they were. That was I think he was on yellow card suspension or something. That's so, right. and then the first match, uh, Chelanolu scored in the fifteenth in the fifteenth yeah. minute. So yeah. it's right there again. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I mean, I have a little more confidence right now as long as they don't make a stupid penalty like you know foul in the box like they did against Napoli but I, I do think they approach it a little more defensively and then try to spring out on the counter and see if they can maybe hit hit Inter on the break I think that's where they're probably gonna approach it on the road all right and then last question we'll just wrap looking even further ahead assuming no transfers this summer where would Roma place on the table next year this is from everybody calm down on our message boards he said Mickey and Smalling are getting older and probably lose another step Roma is so young how much better is are the other three center backs, Pellegrini, Tammy's, Levski's, Zaniolo, Felix, et cetera? So super early prediction, you know, bound to change with the transfer market. But assuming the league looks exactly the same as it is now, where do you place Roma in the table next year is what he wants to know. No pressure or anything. See, the thing is I'm already bought, like pricing in certain transfers that I know are going to happen. It's very hard for me to just be like, suppose the squad in its entirety still exists in the fall because I just it won't and and I mean like we have every indication that the Friedkins are going to want to spend some money this summer too uh so I I guess I would probably I don't I could see fourth or third happening with this same exact squad only because certain the wheels are going to fall off for certain old players playing up north eventually that's like it. And I mean, the one, the only thing is I don't think Juventus will be as bad as they are this season, next season. So, I mean, if those balance out probably around the same area, third, fourth, fifth, but I also fully anticipate Roma to buy more over the course of the summer. This one's easy. If everything else stays the same, um, answer is pretty obvious. I think relegated. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say uh, I, I would project them top four at this point. I, I, I do I do think we're better than Napoli. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> Cheers, Jeff. Optimistic as always. Yeah. <laughs> so Brandon's going to refrain from answering that question. No bold predictions early. And, and I'm not making a prediction, but I would say based on form, based on roster, I would say definitely they're a top four caliber side with Mourinho's game plan starting to, to kind of take hold a bit. If all else is equal, do you think top four still next year? I do. I, I honestly think we're better than Napoli. I think we played them to a zero zero when we were struggling early in the season at the Olimpico, when we were losing to all the top sides still at that point to Milan, to Juve, to, to Lazio. And I think, I think they were good enough to win yesterday down the San Paolo, a, a Napoli side that's fighting for the Scudetto. So I think, I think Roma is at that point where they're at least the equal of Napoli. Uh, Milan, you know, they're, they're playing really well, but roster wise, I don't think they're that much better than us at this point, especially up front. 
Um, Juve has holes. If this Juve team stayed the same and all they get back is Chiesa at some point from ACL, I should, we should have beaten them in January before we were on a hot streak, right? So like there's the only team, like you said, I think that's really roster-wise better than us right now is probably Inter in terms of like starting 11. It's the depth that needs to be filled in in some places, but even some of that is coming from within with Spinazzola uh, coming back, Zalewski becomes a little more depth at some times. And like, there, there's pieces I think within that are going to help this time, this team too. Side note, side note. I want to ask you guys this question. Is this the end of Atalanta as like the spunky God, I hope so. second oh. to fourth place side? Uh, it's, like it's certainly looking like this it. It's been a fall of like cosmic proportions for them. Like they were looking like Scudetto contenders at yeah. the beginning of the year. And now they're eight. Yeah, is and, and they have Zapata back now, too. Oh, I was going to ask if he's still out, because it seems to have coincided with him being out. A lot of it was. He he was back um, yesterday, but they lost 2-1 at home. They, they're terrible at home to hell us. Yeah, but after a certain point, you can't just say it's like one guy being out that's causing all your problems, right? Like, after, like, even losing games where a player, a key player is out injured, like gives those smaller clubs and gives even the bigger clubs who often struggled against Atlanta, the energy that like, Oh, next time we can also whoop your ass. Um, so I'm just so curious to see what happens with Atlanta. Cause they also have new ownership coming in um, pretty, pretty rich ownership too. Um, so very, it'll be a very interesting couple of months for Atlanta. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what they do in terms of transfers if they don't qualify for now Champions League this year, maybe not even Europa or maybe the, the, the Conference League representative. It, it could get interesting for them for sure. Yeah. Um, big week coming up for Roma at the San Siro on Saturday. We'll record after that at some point early next week, and then it'll be Leicester in that home and home in the, the I almost said Champions League. I almost slipped. The Europa Conference League. We have Champions League dreams. I do miss those Champions League nights, but uh, semifinal. So you know, keep, uh, keep up with everything on CDT and we'll look forward to talking about it soon. Hopefully a couple more, uh, Roma positive results.